to Estradiol Illusions. We're back with more Thomas the Tank Engine coverage. I know if you're a fan of our Game of Thrones commentary or video games or politics, you're probably wishing to yourself, gee, I, I wish that we would do more Thomas the Tank Engine. We're back with another VHS tape. We're going to be covering the second release in the United States. We're going to be covering James Learns a Lesson. And uh, back with us to offer some great Thomas commentary is my partner, Tara. Tara, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, my name is Tara. Um, the progress on my bar studies is I take the bar two days from recording. So hopefully by the time that this is up, I will either be taking it or already have finished the exam. So that's very exciting for me. <laughs> yes, hopefully Tara has done uh, well on the bar because I don't think there's a ton of money in Thomas the Tank Engine commentary, but girls can dream. If you didn't listen to the first episode, the format, we're going to cover the uh, U.S. releases episode by episode on the tape. So like uh, with... Thomas gets tricked. We will have seven episodes of Thomas commentary. And just before we get into the individual episodes themselves, I wanted to just share that as a child, this tape was always kind of a polarizing one because the first episode is one of my favorites of all time in Thomas lore. And yet, because we're still in a state where most of the engines haven't been introduced... It's, uh, it feels, the island of Sodor still feels a bit sparse, so I tended to stop this one halfway through when I was little, a lot of the time, but just re-watching them all now for this episode, uh, for this recording, I've changed my opinion a little bit. I, uh, really like a lot of the solo Thomas episodes. They don't feel as, uh, Thomas doesn't feel necessarily as isolated as he did before, but... I guess we'll get into the broader branch line perspective when uh, Percy and Toby join the fray. But for now, we have uh, James, who didn't make much of a impression on his uh, in the first tape. He was a background character who didn't even wasn't really addressed by name until the final episode, where he had uh, fallen into a cow pasture, which has been fixed as you know, nice continuity of this episode, but. For James Learns a Lesson, that's really kind of his introduction into the fray. He's shown to be a mixed traffic engine, which means that he can pull freight cars or coaches. Tara, did you think there was uh, a big uh, distinction between uh, what engines could do in that regard? Oh, yeah. Um, I could always see you like counting up how many um, of the cars each engine can pull. Is that the, the right terminology for that? Yep, uh, they, they definitely, as we'll get into with um, these episodes uh, more, they, they kind of start out with the premise that only one train can do this big job, and then they, they kind of do change that on you. Yeah, that's uh, certainly true, uh, especially as we see in this first episode where James, and as he's referred to, kind little Edward, and really the only difference between Edward and James is that uh, James has three big wheels as opposed to two. It's um, not really, as we see in the episode later, uh, Old Iron 
Edward is is shown to be capable of going the same speed as as James, and yet the show, the show in terms of sort of engine strength tends to alternate between James and Henry in terms of who's the second strongest engine to Gordon. A lot of the times it is shown to be James, but for the beginning of this episode, we have James and Edward pulling a four-coach train. Now, later on, James pulls the express by himself, which is four coaches. I don't really think that this series wants to go into a territory of of trying to figure out uh, why four coaches on one train is too heavy, but but not on another. It has to do with the passengers, uh, maybe their weight or uh, the weight of their luggage. I don't know. It doesn't really... We don't really want to go there. I mean, do you... Do you have any speculation as to why Edward and James both needed to pull the four-coach train? Well, I'm wondering if the trains in part of the lure of Thomas the Tank Engine, if they can gain muscle or if they're able to grow and become stronger. Because there's certainly character development that they get that they get. So why not physical growth as well? Um, perhaps. I mean, this is, I, I believe, I'm almost positive it's the only instance where two tender engines pull a train in tandem. There's uh, some instances where, uh, I think, uh, it's definitely one of the Stepney episodes where they have uh, multiple people pulling a train. I know in the books, I think it's like Percy, Duck, and somebody else help pull a train. It's, but no, we don't see that with tender engines. And James in this episode is in trouble again. And we talk about free will a lot in these uh, discussions of these episodes. But James lets off steam at the station where Sir Topham Hatt is right there, spoiling his new hat. Whose fault do you really think that is? I mean, James let off the steam, but. Is is it some crime against humanity? I mean, what do you think steam is in terms of uh, their like bodily function? Oh well, that's an interesting way to put it. Um, that certainly puts it in perspective. Of it's not just something that's going to make this hat a little bit damp and hot and wet. Um, yeah, it could be something much worse that Sir Topham Hat didn't want his top hat experiencing. Um, but you know, maybe he shouldn't have been standing right there. Yeah, I mean, dealing with steam engines is a dirty job with all the coal and literally it's a steam engine. It, it would seem as if if you were a uh, man of note, as uh, Sir Topham had is uh, reported to be, maybe you would be either uh, knowledgeable enough to not go near an engine if you were worried about your hat. Or maybe maybe you wouldn't care because you were used to that kind of stuff. He's he's shown to be a figure of great importance here. And yet, poor James is terrified all day because he let off a little steam in front of his boss. And it's very... I, I, I feel very uh, sad for James because I don't think that was necessarily his fault. And I think it probably... Uh, caused a bit of anxiety in him, which which probably fueled the uh, anger that he has in the second half of the episode. Yeah, it definitely uh, comes into play with that. He he feels bad, but it's not really his fault. Like it 
Maybe Sir Topham Hatch should just wear baseball caps or no hats. We understand that he's this great railroad magnate, but wearing a top hat and black coat like that is really for the indoor kind of stuff or the cutting ribbon ceremonies, not for walking outside on the platform. I really don't like how he threatened to paint James blue, which seems very uh, offensive. It, it James is very proud of his red paint. It James is very proud of his red paint. It's possible that it would cause him dysphoria to to be painted a different color. It's kind of cruel. Like if somebody tried to punish me by saying we're going to dress you in boys' clothes now, I would file a lawsuit. Because that's uh, clearly discrimination. James doesn't really have... He's not in a position where he can file a lawsuit against his employer. Nor does he really seem to have any say in terms of, Hey, hey, not cool. I like my red paint. Even though uh, other people like the freight cars for him as a red monster. Blue is... Uh, seen to be somewhat of a more sensible color. You've got Thomas, Gordon, Edward. And then... Um, I know in the books Henry was painted blue briefly, but we don't... Uh, James likes to be red, and it's special for him, and I think that's very cruel of Sir Topham had to threaten him like that. What do you think? I was also wondering if there are any kind of rankings involved in their colors or just general designations of the types of uh, engines by their colors because he was really upset about the possibility he could be painted blue. Like, was red something he earned or does he just have personal preference for it? It's a beautiful red. Um, I definitely understand where he's coming from, but I was wondering if there was more to it. Um, That's a good question. I mean... It's something that they clearly sort of think about now, but as more engines enter, like Donald Douglas or Bill or Ben or uh, Boko, I mean, or Oliver, I, I can't remember them ever mentioning really anything about their colors, which is funny because Donald Douglas in the books are uh, start off as black and are painted blue, so... The books definitely make more of a distinction, but uh, for now they they say it because there's just so few of them. But we're really kind of in the starting starting uh, phase of this Thomas lore. They haven't really figured out everything. I mean, that's also just made apparent by this episode treating la the previous episode as sort of James's introduction, and yet he'd been in all of them. Once again, we see. Uh, James's accident in that episode, which is not shown to clearly be his fault, is shown to be something he's supposed to learn from now in this episode. And I think that's probably unfair because his wooden breaks were shown to be a bit of uh, the cause for concern the last time around. Here, when we get to the famous uh, one that I'm really, really excited to talk about because... James learns a lesson has the, uh, one of the great villains in this whole series. You've got the smartly dressed man. And James, who's been jerking around his coaches, a five-coach train, and they have faces, so there's clearly, they're clearly using Annie and Clarabelle. There's a lot of the, um, there's a lot of the, in these early episodes, you see some of the coaches are a bit of a brighter orange than them, and Annie and Clarabelle are a bit more sort of a cross between uh, sort of more yellowish-orange. But 
And we don't see the the other orange ones that much later into the series, along with the sort of shorter, smaller, uh, greenish-looking coaches. But they have a face here, so it's clearly an Clarabelle. And James is drinking them because he wants to go fast like Gordon. Because Gordon... Uh, there's kind of a Napoleon complex with James because he's... he's in the sort of upper tier of engines, tender engines, and yet he's he's not Gordon, and Gordon puts him and Henry both down. And James, uh, James clearly acts like a dick kind of because of that, but we get to the spot where James is jerking them around and the uh, brake valve, and then there's a, uh, there's a leak in the, the brake pipe. And uh, the only way that it can be fixed is sort of through a MacGyver solution of using... A newspaper and a leather bootlace. But where is the bootlace coming from? So the passengers, which we see this a couple times in in this series and uh, really a lot of the early episodes where the passengers get out, do you have a tendency to get out of your train? You've been ridden the LA Metro a lot when it's broken down. Mm -hmm. Do the passengers tend to get out and wander around the coach? No, definitely not. Uh, A lot of times you're also broken down at a place where you can't get out. There's no platform there. You would be in the wilderness or on the street or on a bridge. You don't get out of the train. Yeah, so... They don't tend to go around asking passengers for uh, bootlaces... And they say to him, you have a bootlace, will you give it to us? And he says, I won't, said the man. And the passengers, who love to talk about what a bad railway it is, putting aside the fact that the railway apparently is kind of a monopoly, so there's not, you know, tough shit if they don't like the, uh, they can go, what a bad railway it is. They can try and ask Sir Tom Matt for his money back, as they try to do later on, and he just says, nope, 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 nope. Maybe they should just move countries then. Yeah, they have to give up the, the, the smart... This man is a smartly dressed man, and he, he kind of... He looks like a James Bond villain. And he says, I won't. And the passengers... He's actually he's persuaded by public opinion because they stop complaining about the railway, and they start complaining about... They say what a bad, what, what a bad man he was instead. So he's clearly not one of those... Uh, you know, if you tell somebody they're bad on Twitter, they're they're not liable to, to cave and say, oh, I'm so sorry. Apologies on Twitter are so few and far between. But this man does cave to public perception. He gives the bootlace. And James, whose brakes were previously hard on, not going to take the low-hanging fruit and make a sex joke there, but just, just acknowledge it. The only way to solve the hard on is with a newspaper and a leather bootlace. That's good to know for the... Any, any of you out there with facing that, that predicament? So we have, uh, you know, Henrietta's tunnel. Gordon has his hill. James doesn't have, like, a sort of iconic spot that's named after him. Uh, he does, he is disaster-prone. You know, James in a mess. The one uh, where Thomas has to go rescue him. But this bootlace is really his version of Henry's Tunnel or Gordon's Hill in terms of, for a lot of episodes on, uh, the engines make fun of the bootlace. It's apparently very funny in this world of mechanics and all of that. The idea that you had to pull a train guided by bootlace is is, is fascinating, and it's something that the engines uh, love to make fun of him for. This is the only episode that I've seen so far where they do use some MacGyver-type mechanism to fix an actual mechanical problem. Uh, was 
the like repair stations or anyone else just too far away that this was the only option they had because that is very like it's almost demasculating or like detrain engineering for uh, James to have to go through this where you're using a leather boot lace from someone who didn't even want to give it over and had to be peer pressured into giving it over uh, because their toolbox on the train was just missing somehow. Yeah, I mean, the closest comparison to what you're talking about would probably be Edward's exploit, where they have to, uh, his, uh, some sort of sidebar on his big wheels, the thing that connects them had fallen off, and he has to pull the train, they have to loosen, they have to loosen up the, uh, connectors on the, the coaches to, to get the train going, but... You're right, and then with the narrow gauge engines, Rust, Rusty is shown to come to the rescue with various things at points when the engines are broken. But that doesn't happen here, and the breakdown train does not come. We just have the boot lace. And we also have a rather abrupt ending. This one doesn't really... We don't, we don't deal with the fallout of Sir Topham Hatt. Mess, you know, if he got steamed, which is nothing compared to the bootlace, you know, you'd expect he would get like a woodshed beating or he'd be painted a dysphoric color after that. But no, the the episode ends with him going into Henry's tunnel. But uh, the first three episodes of this this collection tend to, are, are are pretty linked and they're all centered around James. So now would be a good time to uh, talk about. Foolish freight cars, which was known as troublesome trucks in the UK, but we'll call them freight cars. If you're a British listener listening, I'm sorry. We're not going to, you know, wait wait till we get to the George Carlin ones. We're not doing Michelangelo's, but um, we start Foolish Freight Cars with James has been kept in the shed for days. And it's not explicitly, it's, it's very much implied that it has to do with the bootlegs. But it's not super made clear. And what's also kind of just left up in the air, so Thomas has gone off to his branch line at this point, and yet we do kind of see him around uh, Knapford Station. He is still a figure. He factors in, I believe, to this episode also. And yet we... The idea that James would be kept in the shed for days doesn't really make sense when, you know... This this collection doesn't introduce any new engines into the fray. It's still the um, it's still the same five that we had before. It's just you know Thomas Gordon, Edward Henry, James, no Percy, no Toby yet. So if James is being kept in the shed for days, who's really being punished, Tara? Is James being punished, or are the other engines who have to do his work, or the passengers for having uh, trains diminished? Yeah, it really is all the above, but it does show, like, James almost has a vacation. You could see it as that, except for the fact that he's very depressed by having to stay in the shed, uh, moping around in there. Um, But yeah, everyone else does have to pick up the slack because of this administrative decision to punish him like that. Yeah, it doesn't make a a ton of sense, and James is told that he can come out if he behaves, but... I think he's probably coming out because they need freight cars to be pulled. Even though, uh, one thing that kind of doesn't, didn't make a ton of sense in this episode for me was the idea that Thomas would have gotten James's freight cars for him. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of like a, like a high school sports 
the 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 newbie has to pull the the run to the litter has to do the prep grunt work but uh it's freight cards it's not coaches thomas's prior job would be to fetch coaches for people something that uh becomes a big deal especially in the next collection tenders and turntables but for now it's not and especially in the next the episode right after this james fetches gordon's coaches so it's not as if just tank engines have to do this it's it appears as though the the person down the rung on the social ladder has to do it so thomas gets edward's freight cars and Edward pulls what appears to be just this massive train, which gets back to what we were saying about, you know, how uh, how do they decide which engines pull what or how much can they pull? Because this is a big, big, big freight train. And James, apparently, we've got this great mixed traffic engine here, let alone we never hear of Henry's a mixed traffic engine, even though he clearly pulls coaches as well as stuff like the Flying Kipper. But we've got this great mixed traffic engine who's pulling the coaches who are making fun of his paint. And the freight cars, they have their their axles are running hot. And the one thing that I that I uh, have wondered is why don't the driver and the fireman just get out, point at the freight cars and say, you know, hey, you there, knock it off or muzzle them. Yeah, these these freight cars are total assholes. I, I I can't say it as I blame them all that much. We talk about free will with the uh, trains, but I mean, if we're being serious, the people who really lack the free will more than them are the freight cars who can't even <laughs> can't even pull for themselves. It's brutal. So it makes sense that they're always angry and bitter and trying to start something. Then, yeah, and they are angry, and we've got. Uh, Gordon's Hill, which is just kind of a disaster, uh, they haven't figured out a way, uh, to handle this, this tiresome hill, and just see if, if you're sitting there watching, to see James getting up the hill, it, I, 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 I feel for the guy, it looks horrible trying to get up that hill with that massive train, and we don't really know why the, uh, cars separate, and, uh, they misbehave, and they break away, and they get down Gordon's Hill, where Edward is apparently, and this is kind of what I'm getting, what I was getting at earlier with the idea that uh, how does James get to stay away, uh, stay in the shed for multiple days? Here he is pulling a freight train, and Edward is behind him, apparently carrying Sir Topham Hat on board because he says he was, and Edward's pulling a two car, uh, two freight car train right behind him, literally right behind him to the point where it, it's conceivable that if the freight cars had pulled away uh, more successfully or at a different point, they could have just all crashed right into him. So it doesn't make any sense that these two freight trains, let alone putting aside the fact that, that Edward's train is small, but that they would just be on the same part of the line right after each other. Doesn't does that strike you as odd, Tara? I did think it was weird that they were like, I don't know what kind of scheduling errors had happened, but why were they right there? Uh, yeah. And we don't know why Sir Topham Hatt was on board other than he kind of needed to be there uh, to please uh, to say that James did a good job at the end. But, I mean, does he? What's, um, what did he do that was so great? 
I noticed also that it was the conductors who stopped the car. It wasn't James who did this great thing. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the conductors get kind of, uh, they get, uh, we'll have some fun when we get to the, the Flying Kipper episode, because there's a case where a conductor really gets a raw deal, but, uh, yeah, the conductors really, uh, saves the crash, and Edward, really, it's as if, like, Sir Topham Added had gone to, like, the outlet stores, bought his wife, like, a bunch of, uh, fancy stuff, and then decided he was gonna take Edward and two freight cars full of that, but the freight cars are full of what appears to be rocks, so who the hell knows? Maybe diamonds. I, I don't really know. Edward offers to help, um... James James makes it on his own. He doesn't get. He's worried that Tom that he's worried that Sir Dopamat is going to be angry with him again. Which, God, I mean, it must just suck to 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 live in this kind of fear terror, don't you think? I mean, it's it's what kind of railway is this? They treat their engines, they treat their workers like this. Uh, yeah, I imagine that all of those engines are facing a lot of anxiety, um, and just. Uh, there's words for it where they're just like way too depressed by the work that they have to do and just everything on their job isn't working well and they could all use some nice therapy because um, they're too burnt out. They they have a lot of responsibilities. They get blamed for a lot of things that aren't their fault and those things really can wear you down and make your work performance worse. Yeah, and it... it- you know, I, I've read Das Kapital, I've read the Communist Manifesto. I don't remember Karl Marx suggesting that there would be some punishment where the worker would be painted a different color if they didn't do their job. It it, it it's inhumane. It's it's very upsetting that James would have to work under this kind of duress, and especially Sir Tom Hatt is praising him at uh, Marin Station, which is the scene of his famous uh, accident, which has yet to happen, but uh, I think it might happen in the Tenders and Turntables collection. It's very... Uh, there's just so much we don't know the way this episode unfolds. James, in another instance, might have been punished for letting the freight carts go away. We've seen that happen in other instances. We don't know why Sir Top Matt was traveling with Edward. Especially, I mean, let's be serious. The previous episode, Sir Topham Hat is upset that James let off steam in his presence, and yet Sir Top Matt is riding around, either in Edward's uh, cabin, which has got to be very filthy, covered in coal, or he's in the uh, caboose, which is not luxury. So this man is kind of a prissy uh, figure. He, he needs to get his act together. Uh, it doesn't make a ton of sense. I, I, I really... I don't know what to make of this episode, which is uh, a good place to uh, move on to the next one. A proud day for James. And it is a proud day for James because uh, he gets to be solidified as uh, over Henry as the the really the number 2 engine on the island of Sodor. We have uh James pulling the express. You know, it makes sense that James didn't really factor into the first collection because between uh the first the first collection really does spread itself uh pretty thin 
covering uh, lengthy introductions for Thomas, Gordon, Edward, and Henry. So to see James get a couple of his own here. But uh, three episodes in, he's still having to deal with the... Well, yeah, I mean, this is the this is the fourth episode that we have, James, and he's he's been following essentially sort of a, a mini hero's journey from his first accident that Thomas uh, was really the hero of. Then we had kind of the it, we can look at James learns a lesson as sort of the middle entry of uh, sort of an Empire Strikes Back saga where the smartly dressed man with his boot lace is really interfering with his life. We have return of the Jedi where James saves the day by, uh, pulling a train that had previously broken up, a, up a hill. And now we have the force awakens where James learns that he's able to pull the express all by himself. That's uh great progress. Right, and then James and his MS would probably be the last Jedi in that instance. <laughs> and uh, James Goes Buzz Buzz can be the rise of Skywalker. He probably has a James-centric episode in that, but uh, I, I think the Star Wars metaphor's gone on long enough. But uh, James, as for now, here is still having to deal with the fallout over the bootlace, which... It, I guess, funny. I, uh, in day-to-day in -day life, tend to quote the bootlace a lot, or I won't. And uh, people think to themselves, uh, or they say to me, why, what are you talking about? And then I have to explain to them that I'm talking about a children's show from the early 90s. Oh, this actually, this would have been still the 80s. This uh, episode aired in America as part of Shining Time Station uh, in 1989, before I was born. And it's still relevant in the year 2019, which I think is great. Thomas, Thomas is timeless, but um, Gordon, Gordon is boasting about stuff that uh, there's a bit of, uh, I don't want to say meta humor, but there's something interesting in the fact that Gordon's boasting about how great he is at the Express. And they say, he says, I know exactly where to go, foreshadowing that he's going to get lost. But people point out that it's the signal man. Deserving the credit. And we don't really see that type of credit afforded to a driver or a fireman in a lot of instances. Mostly because I think they tend not to be so good at preventing crashes. Because if crashes happen. But Gordon boasts and they say, you know, it's a signalman doing this. It's not you. You didn't build that. To borrow a line from the 2012 presidential campaign. It's an interesting situation. Do you think Gordon is being sold short with his uh, accolades pulling the express? Like, it sounds like it really is a great accomplishment. Um, he just takes a lot more credit for it than it's apparently due. Right. And he's apparently important enough that James fetches his coaches, which... Would make sense, because it is, putting aside the fact that it would be odd that Thomas would have pulled his uh, freight cars the prior episode, Thomas is supposed to be off on his branch line anyway, so Thomas's role in mainline uh, endeavors is, is not 100% clear. So James gets the coaches, and Gordon pulls the train out, and seemingly, he says, I'll see you the next morning, I'll see you later, which is again kind of odd, uh, we don't. 
Tidmouth Sheds is shown to be the, the place where they sleep. Thomas, uh, Toby, and Percy have their own shed on the branch line, clearly. There's a couple other places where they would sleep, but the idea that the engines would be gone for extended days is not something that the show makes 100% clear, but... So Gordon, Gordon prepares to leave. He's got his four-coach train that has Sir Top of Matt and other important people. Who do you think <laughs> the other important people were? Well, since there's another episode about the Queen, I'm going with the Queen is not on this one. Uh, maybe we have, like, some American steel magnates in there coming to see how some it's going. Some Rockefellers, some Carnegies. Yeah. A Vanderbilt. Serena Vanderwoodson, Blair. Definitely. Uh, Blair Waldorf, Chuck Bass. Yeah, those yeah. are pretty important people. Right. And um, so just as, it, just as Gordon wasn't supposed to be deserving of um, just as Gordon wasn't supposed to be deserving of praise because of the signalman, for whatever reason, he finds himself in a loop on the express and he winds up coming back to Tidmouth Sheds through the, or Knapford Station through the back. And the passengers are furious and like they always do, they get off the train. Luckily, they're in the station. They go, we want our money back. And Stradop Matt does not offer accommodations. He doesn't offer a snack on the uh, cafe car. Do you think they have a cafe car? It doesn't look like it, but you would think they would. I wish. There is an episode, uh, Peter Sam and the Refreshment Lady uh, with the narrow gauge engines, but I don't think she's actually shown to be on the train. So that's a, that's a good question to think Maybe about. Maybe they have a trolley like in Harry Potter. As it doesn't exist in the real world. Clearly, it's only in Harry Potter. I would hope they would have some kind of trolley or something, but they're not getting anything for free. And apparently, after doing this sort of minor loop-de-loop, Gordon can't pull the train anymore. He's out of steam. An excuse that, honestly, let's, let's be serious for a minute. Let's, let's be level. That's bullshit. Do you think that, that Gordon, after doing that minor loop-de-loop, would be totally out of commission? No. I think it was an excuse by the writer to get James his due. Yeah, so James is supposed to be the one pulling the uh, engine. I mean, uh, James is supposed to be the one pulling the train because this episode is about James. But they, they definitely fail to put a, forth a compelling reason why Gordon is suddenly just out of commission. It doesn't make a ton of sense. And so it's a four-coach train. First episode of this tape, Edward and James need to pull the train. Uh, Henry, when Henry has to come out of the tunnel, I think it's a five-coach train that that uh, Henry and Edward uh, work in tandem. Edward pushes, Henry pulls. James can take the four-coach train with the important people by himself. And, and a matter of can is uh, something that we could think about, but um, these are important people, and nobody wants to take the ri- Nobody is concerned with taking the risk that James might not be able to do this. They just assume James can pull the train, which he does, and then uh, apparently that gets him uh, a fair amount of respect. You know, it's it's shown to be kind of a... Um, Macho, uh, macho type uh, endeavor to be able to pull the express. Do you think Edward should be allowed to pull the express? I do. Like I really saw this as his own Rudolph or all of the reindeer type moment 
where he had the opportunity and he was going to prove to Santa that he can do this and he was able to. So it was really good for him. And, you know, love and magic helped him, I'm sure. So Sir Topham Hat, and this is two, two straight episodes where James is praised. The ends on a happy note after a couple where it's just like James a failure. He might have to get painted. Very, uh, very upsetting stuff. But it's nice that James uh, gets to end uh, this this hero's journey arc on a on a Force Awakens type note where we we see future beyond just Gordon. He's not going to be the last of the Jedi. He's going to be able to. James can pull the express now too, which is probably just just from a broader perspective important. I mean, at Disneyland they have uh, a bunch of cool trains that pull the uh, Disneyland Railroad. Uh, those break; they have to swap them out. Prior to this, and we we said it last episode, we're not exactly sure how uh, how long these uh, the island of Sodor has been operating like this, but it does seem kind of odd that Gordon would have been the only one who could pull the express prior. Yeah, they should have had a backup plan beforehand where they could have known that another train can do it because you, you don't want to be left out in the middle of nowhere with a broken down train with very important people on board. They got lucky that James could do it, but they didn't know that they could. And we see Gordon kind of try to save face at the end. He's pushing. He actually is abusive toward the freight car. He rams one very uh, aggressively, which is even weirder if you think this driver would have been like, let's get him, Gordon. Yeah, uh, I don't know why the driver and conductor people don't stop the bad things from happening more. Yeah, it doesn't uh it doesn't make a ton of sense, but bootlaces are supposed to be not mentioned. They are again at least by Toby, but Toby isn't around at this point. Gordon, I think uh Well, Henry Gordon and and uh James form somewhat of a triumvirate later. So this is kind of the point where Gordon starts to respect James as more of a peer rather than kind of uh, somebody who's not at the bottom of the pecking order, but certainly far from the top. This is an interesting note to end on. Uh, how do you, you know this is this tape's called James Learns Lesson, and this is the end really of James's time on the the tape. How do you feel about James's arc in in this this uh, half of the tape, Tara? So as forced as a lot of his own plot points are, like they were really just like moving towards the conclusion of his arc, uh, trying to show his own development as a train. Uh, it is very nice for him. I am proud of him. Um, it is a proud day for James, and it is a proud day for me as an onlooker of James, really rooting for him to not get any more flack for that bootlace. You like James? Yeah, he seems like a pretty good guy. You see, I have I, I, I've always kind of viewed James as kind of uh, he's got beef with Edward. He's got beef with he's he's kind of short with a lot of the engines. He's he's got beef with Boko. He's got beef with he's got beef with Percy. He's got beef with Toby. He's got a lot of beef. He's he's kind of an angry angry kind of guy. <laughs> uh, in in later episodes, but um. I mean, he's just set up as such a tragic. His first, his first 
mentioned appearance. He's uh, just a wreck. Poor guy. It's he's he's definitely more so than Gordon used uh, used as kind of a, a a way to explore the morals of Thomas. His uh, negative vices tend to get him in trouble a lot in future episodes. I keep thinking about James Ghost Buzz Buzz, which really isn't his, isn't didn't really do anything wrong besides not like bees, but we are a ways away from that particular episode. It's an interesting arc. James is a, is an interesting character. I don't like him as much as Gordon or Henry, Henry, a fellow member of the LGBTQ community, but um, he, he definitely gets a raw deal existing kind of in the no man's land between original character and... He's kind of he's he 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 is kind of an original character, and then also kind of the first addition to the series. They wouldn't really. It's not super fair to say that, given that he does appear in the first collection. But it's interesting. It's an interesting piece of Thomas lore that clearly you know our listeners would find interesting because you're listening to a Thomas podcast. So we switch gears. Because Thomas gets tricked, ends on a note of, even though that's James's first episode, it's really about Thomas. And Thomas gets a branch line. But in this next collection, in James's lesson, the first three episodes are about the new guy. So we don't, we don't learn a heck of a lot about Thomas and his branch line, even though he does appear in James's lesson briefly talking to James and Edward. Here we've got Thomas and the conductor. And I think the conductor, not to jump too far ahead, but I think the conductor should go join the Avengers of the Justice League because he's got powers similar to Quicksilver or the Flash. He's a very fast man, and he's got ungodly stamina. How far is it that he's supposed to have run? Because he wouldn't have caught up any time fast. As an aside to Red Dead Redemption, I saw how fast those horses go. They don't catch up to the train. Imagine a person running. A normal person can't do that. So that's actually that's actually pretty much all all that's all accurate. And yet, he definitely had a, a long way to go from where they were, from the uh, destination at there at uh, I think they're at Ellsbridge Station. Yes, they're at Ellsbridge Station, where. We see in the beginning, you get Henry's sad music. I, I didn't mention in the other episodes the James. A lot of these engines have their sort of theme music. Toby has uh, that's probably my favorite. But Henry's sort of sad. I'm sick. I'm depressed. Music. His emo. I'm not doing it. Um, if you're listening, you probably know what I'm talking about. Henry is late. Something that foreshadows not only uh, his eventually needing coal because he's sick and he's got a small he's his boiler Kent he's he, he's got the uh, engine version of celiac basically he needs oh. gluten free coal and uh, Thomas actually waits for him twice in the series you've got this one and uh, in Better Late Than Never which is actually not really his fault but it's the viaduct actually I think in that one it's kind of his fault. But uh, Henry is uh, sad, and Thomas, wanting to get the hell out of Ellsbridge, is leaving. Yeah, he, he, 
from Ellsbridge to wherever he's at on his branch line, uh, that's pretty damn far. It's it's not close. That conductor would have had to haul ass. And uh, thankfully, on a nice hot day, he's got a nice glass of milk to drink. Yeah, he might also deserve a fresh coat of paint. Yeah, he. I wonder if the conductor was at risk of uh, being painted red. One thing that I thought was, was pretty interesting is that uh, we do get a little bit of background on Annie and Clarabelle in the beginning, who are shown, they're described in the beginning of this episode as super old, and yet Thomas just got them at the end of the previous collection, so Saddam Hat clearly kind of bought them on the cheap. And these new engines, you know, the timeline is a total mess. We don't know if they're new, if they're he bought them used. I don't even really want to go there in terms of that. It, I mean, we see when when he gets Percy, it's kind of a, a friendly function, but we don't. The other times that uh, engines are acquired, it's especially with Oliver and Stepney, it's literally a jailbreak. It's. We don't know if they were saved from scrap. We, we we know that they were new and yet old at the same time. We learn that Annie can only carry passengers, and Clarabelle uh, can carry passengers and their luggage. And the conductor, he's shown to call Clara, Clarabelle uh, uh, home. And Annie and Clarabelle are also shown to put up with Thomas's crap. And uh, that seems kind of uh, frustrating. I, I wouldn't... You know, it it uh to have to to have to live your life constantly dealing with this uh, moody branch line engine. It seems kind of like a struggle. Do you feel for Andy and Clarabelle? You know, I would, but they really do seem so happy to be working with him. They're there to support him and encourage him. Uh, so I hope they're paid well. I hope they get lots of treats. I hope their passengers treat them well. They seem to be doing okay with Thomas as much as like hard as it would be to work with him with him always wanting to go faster and be places on time quite type a but they seem okay with it yeah so after thomas leaves the station after implying that henry is lazy and fat uh clarabon and annie realize the conductor is missing and they're they're trying to tell him except I, nobody seems to hear them. Thomas doesn't. The driver doesn't. And they're only they're only made aware of the instance uh, of of the issue when there's a signal that says danger. So somebody at uh, somebody at Ellsbridge would have phoned ahead and said, "Hey, we got an issue." And yet these two coaches who clearly know what's going on can't communicate to either Thomas, his driver, or his fireman about the issue. So. They don't know. They stop. The passengers yet again get out. I want to see. Is there what... no AC on there that they just feel like needing to get out all the time? No, it's definitely not AC on this train. No way. Not. Not. This is England. England well, in the eighties. No. That's problematic. So maybe that's why they like being outside. We uh, we need to go to Wales and Scotland, where a lot of these trains are. Uh, a lot of the lines are kind of based out of. I think mm. predominantly Wales, but. I don't think any of those coaches have AC, even now. I took a nice new train to Scotland from London. It was probably built within the last 10 years. There was AC. There was Wi-Fi. I had everything I needed. It would be nice to have, um, to travel around the branch line with uh, Annie and Clarabelle singing, 
because they're they're happy that Thomas yeah, is going. How fast. pleasant a day that is. It does. One thing I really like about this episode is it's clear that a lot of these shots were used in the opening theme. Um, Fafarquhar Station is not. Um, we don't get a ton of shots there in the later. Uh, it's not. Um, it's not shown to be super super important, but um, it. If you just look at at this episode, it's clear that a lot of this, a lot of those shots, especially like when they're going on this branch line with the windmill and stuff, that these were used in the opening, and you know that's always fun. This episode is uh, kind of a mess. It's it's sort of similar to the episode where Thomas just leaves all of the coaches behind, except he's now just leaving one man. Uh, it's 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 a very interesting episode. I wonder how f- how the conductor hauled all that ass running. I mean, it, it, maybe it's not a big branch line, but that dude can run. He should uh, definitely become a superhero. And maybe we'll get an origin story for the fast conductor later on in in the franchise. Maybe I'm not really sure. Not even just his speed. Just think of the stamina for that. To go at however hot it is for however long it is, and all he needs to recuperate is a glass of milk. It's true. It must have been good milk, and uh, maybe the blue milk from uh, wherever that planet that Luke was hanging at. No more Star Wars. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting episode. I filled with plot holes, and we get some good background on Annie and Clarabelle. But uh, the next episode, Thomas Goes Fishing, gives us uh, perhaps some of the most important backstory. Thomas wants to fish, which I think is kind of adorable. I think it's, it's great to know that he has this hobby that he can't actually participate in. He sees it. It's taunting him every day. He just wants to go fishing, and he might get his wish. Yeah, imagine if there was like some something that you really wanted to do that you just couldn't do. Uh, you know, it's not not too dissimilar from an instance where a child wants to play a sport that's not either cut out for them, either because of their size or their gender, and they want to, and they're told, "Oh, you can't, you can't." Thomas wants to fish. He wants to be a fisher, fisherman, and. The engines aren't really supposed to... They're not shown to get a lot of time for leisure. People tend to mock the Henry's Forest episode kind of on those grounds. It's sort of a plotless, confusing mess. But we have Thomas wants to fish, and he kind of does get his wish in kind of a weird, twisted way later on. Thomas at uh, Ellsbridge... So Thomas at Ellsbridge Station... There's no water, which seems very unprofessional. Maybe signs that it's a, a bad railway. And uh, fear not, the crew is going to get him water, but they don't really have a great way to get the water because they have. How many of you have buckets that you have lying around that, that you keep that have holes in them? Five holes. There were five holes in this bucket, and no straw to fix it. Yeah, so you've got you've got this train on a bridge. And I mean even if you're if you're looking at the shot, I mean because because the water is not 
running through both sides of the bridge. It's only one angle. It looks kind of like the way he's dropping the bucket is like just straight into like marsh. But it's so inefficient to try and fill. I I don't understand why the bucket needed to have any holes. It, it doesn't seem like it serves the plot all that much. But also when you're looking at the bucket, it doesn't seem terribly likely that A, it would catch fish, or B, that you wouldn't notice that there were fish by the time you had pulled it up. Yeah, that's why maybe it took them so long to realize that the problems that started immediately after they gave him water from this lake was from a fish because fish would usually just swim right out of the bucket with holes. Maybe it was a small little goldfish who just was content to stay there. Yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense. And it's a lot of fish, too. It's not just one fish because they make a meal out of it later. They they eat the fish that That's were in. That's disgusting. It's not never quite clear how uh, they've got <laughs> some fish and chips feast. Yeah, where did the chips come from? Exactly. And did they like really fry up this fish, or was it just steamed or boiled from the water? I wouldn't want to eat that, but I'm glad they were happy. Yeah, because they have to fit. They literally fish for it. It's not like it's not like the fish didn't like die being in a steam engine's boiler and they just like picked them out. No, they. They used a rod. You got to drop a mat on top, kind of supervising like an idiot. They do kind of make him out to be kind of like an oaf and a fool, especially in the uh, episode where they're trying to get Henry out of the tunnel. I mean, they put a sign that says, Danger, keep away on Thomas, really for no reason. It's not like he's got like an STD or something. He's just got a tapeworm inside of him. He's got boiler ache. And then at the end of it, Thomas is, is it, it seems as though he's kind of disciplined for wanting to have fished in the first place. Why is that? Not, no part of this episode is Thomas's fault. Like, none whatsoever. He didn't do anything wrong. And his desire to want to fish is totally independent of the idea that his uh, crew decided to take the bucket full of holes and fill him up with fish. Maybe part of the... Punishment really is them thinking that he told his driver, conductor people, be sure to get some fish in there. I would love for it to just clog my entire system. Yeah, we we hear that engines don't go fishing. Kind of like um, like this this episode probably has some parallels to like Billy Elliot, the little boy isn't supposed to want to do ballet. Thomas isn't supposed to want to fish. Except Thomas himself wasn't the one going fishing. No, it, it none of that makes any sense. It's a total mess. Sir Topham Hatt says, you know, have you learned your lesson, Thomas? There's no lesson to be learned here. The, the This episode is, is full of engines being the scapegoat for the crimes of man. It, it makes me sick, to be honest. It's very unfair. Totally, total bullshit, but, um, you know, I, I don't understand what, what we're really supposed to make out of that. Which takes us to our next episode, an origin story. Our well, I guess James Wan's lesson is kind of an origin story, but we have our new character. We have Terrence the Tractor, and we see that Thomas is a savage. Thomas is kind of a dick. He he stops. They see Terrence, and Terrence is like hello, and Thomas looks at him and says, "What ugly wheels you have." 
Do you think that's a nice greeting to somebody? No, and yet it's totally expected for these trains to do that to like these people they don't even know. Yeah, these engines are horrible to each other. They put each other down. Thomas was already a dick to Henry, and now he's going to be a dick to Terrence. And he, he hates his snowplow. It's not really made clear why he hates the snowplow. He's got, he's got engine dysphoria for the snowplow. It doesn't make a ton of sense. Maybe it's not very fashionable. Or maybe it's not comfortable. We don't really know, but winter comes showing, you know, winter is coming, Game of Thrones, and sh- showing that there's not really a too firm uh, sense of time. Thomas has to use his snowplow to get through, and yet he screws with it so that it can't be fitted back onto him. He's been naughty, and... You know, it's not 100% clear if that snowplow would have gotten him through the drift. I don't think so. That was a very, very large drift. It was about up to his head, whereas the snowplow got maybe a foot above him. Not above, like, a foot up from the ground. Uh, that would not have stopped that. It would have just put the snow on top of his little, like, steamer thing. Yeah, not to mention if he was stuck in the snow, conceivably, if you think about engines being hot. Apparently not hot enough to kill fish that are inside, but that his boiler might have just melted the snow, but it, apparently not. And it it... It doesn't make a ton of sense that he would get stuck. But fear not. Here is this, you know... It seems as though Terrence was basically introduced for this very plot because he's able to be there to help Thomas out. It's not like this is a random episode where we know Terrence already. Thomas gets stuck and Terrence comes to the attention. No, this 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 conflict seems to be tailored exactly to the skill set of Terrence Tractor. And yet, once again... If you were, so if you, if it was winter and your train was stuck, would you get out and try and dig the engine out? Like a passenger? Yeah, because they get out and they help. Wow, I was wondering if they did. I didn't remember if they do. Um, That is a time where they should really just stay inside because then they're going to get frostbite and they're going to sue the engine and the railway when really they should have stayed inside. Yeah, it, it's a total mess and... Thomas does get to say cinders and ashes for... That's kind of like his oh shit for Thomas. Um, I don't know if, if that's like a swear word or not, but we see an origin story where, where it, it's sort of a teachable moment for another engine. Thomas has to learn that he should wear his snowplow. It's kind of like... Um, you know, this episode could be a convenient way to explain to people why you need to wear a condom. Because if you don't, you know, if you don't wear your snowplow, you could get STDs. But this is so much bigger than what you would expect for the snowplow to get. I, I'm not even sure what kind of analogy you could do with that one. Well, I'm not gonna gonna decline to to go further into my example because, well, that yeah, that's a good point. Thomas uh, Thomas's condom didn't get him through the snow. He needs help from a really powerful tractor to pull uh the coaches out and then also to thomas uh pull thomas although he i guess that's the end of the journey because birdie who makes a debut before his big episode 
saves the day and takes the other uh, takes the passengers away. This episode and the conductor and the fishing. I guess the fishing episode is kind of plot heavy, but these seem very sort of rapid fire, quick, single issue things. Not a ton of plot development. Thomas, you know, insults Terrence. Then it's snow. You know, then it snows and snow power breaks, and then uh, he needs Terrence. I I don't really know what the moral point of this is. You know, don't don't be a dick to somebody you might need to have you. You might need to help you uh, get yourself out of a snowdrift. But Terrence still helps anyway. He didn't say, oh, you snooze, you lose. You weren't nice to me, so I'm not going to help you. Terrence goes and helps. So Thomas doesn't really learn anything by having been mean to him. Yeah, that's a good point. Total mess. I don't really, you know, this... I think the reason as a child I would skip these is they're just all kind of Thomas Solo where he finds himself into various unrealistic issues like the snowbank or the speedy conductor or the the fish in his boiler. But the final episode of this collection features one of the most iconic events in Thomas history, which is his race, Thomas and Bertie's great race, which I think, especially from the perspective of the, the books, uh, the Reverend Audrey was praised for a lot of his uh, realism that he would bring to some of these uh, stories. And yet the idea that an engine and a, and a bus would be racing is uh, kind of a mess. I don't really think that it is a good idea to encourage a train and a bus filled with passengers who are shown to be pissed off that this happened at all. I don't think it's a great idea to say, you know, while you're on while you're on the job, feel free to race. And also the drivers agreed to it explicitly. They said, "We're on board with this race." Like shouldn't both of them basically be trying their hardest to be fast and get to each place within the bounds of safety anyway? So, do you even need to have a race and especially while you're still running all of your errands, you're still stopping at all of your stops? They are working while also trying to race. So you're not really going to get very far with that. No, and I always found it the, the shot of them going over the rules interesting because you see the other red buses, which I think it's got to be, putting like Bulgy, Bulgy aside, uh, it's got to be one of the few times we see other buses, red buses, let alone ones that look like Bernie, uh, let alone ones that look like Bernie. Birdie, not Bernie Sanders, Birdie. Um, so they go over the rules, and yet this is shown throughout the episode to not necessarily be just a straight race. It's, you know, Birdie has to wait at the level crossing, Thomas has to wait at stations, he has to pick out, take on water. It's a complex race. And it's not really a race all about speed, it's about... You know, it's hard. It, it's it's a challenging, challenging race that he seems to win. He covers a lot of ground. If you've seen the the Toby uh, Toby the Tram Engines origin episode, Thomas seems to uh, go by the station that's featured in that one, 
which is, you know, of course they're going to reuse some of these sets, but, you know, it would make sense that they would feature the Fafarquar station, which really just doesn't factor in that much in the later episode. It's kind of an awkward station to film at because it's only got the one... It's only got literally one track, so you can't have any other engines talking to each other. It's good for, like, the theme song, but it's not really a good shooting location unless you're going to talk to Birdie. But, you know, you could say, okay, Thomas is faster than Birdie, but, I mean, Tom, a lot of things had to go Thomas's way in order for this to happen. And some of the engines, they're happy, some of the passengers, they're happy that Thomas won, but the Birdie, I mean... They've got to be on this bus that's rocketing around. You can imagine those roads aren't super paved. That's got to be very uncomfortable. Well, the passengers didn't like being... I, I think the quote that they said was like, bounced like peas in a frying pan. It's not a great uh, impression that they'll get of the railway or the bus. Yeah, it's a total mess. It's not a super... We don't learn a super... Uh, we don't learn too much about the rules. Well, then I stopped Matt was pissed that it happened. And that Thomas was apparently traveling at dangerous speeds. Which, we tend not to see engines going that fast in settings other than uh, uh, freight cars have pushed them on and they're out of control. So that's, that's interesting. Birdie doesn't try and race other people. And the narration of this episode ends on an interesting note. It says, you know, do you think that... This is a paraphrase. The narrator asks if we think that another race will happen. Which is a big fake-out, because this race is mentioned all the time, but they don't race. And we are given a reason why it's a bad idea. Engines shouldn't be racing. Although Percy does race Harold in a race that's totally unclear of the rules or even the notion that Harold would have an idea that there was a race and that seems actually way more dangerous but for now Thomas and Bertie have a race that isn't a isn't really that much of a testament of their skill but really a circumstance that allowed Thomas to get lucky and it ends uh it ends on a question which is an interesting way to end a collection but this is uh this is a weird collection because it's not super uncommon for the first two or three episodes of a of a collection to focus around the same thing or to have a multi-episode arc like uh, when Diesel, Diesel's origin with Duck. But this tape, we have three Jameses and then we have four Thomases. I don't think there's ever that kind of Two engines split on another collection. And I don't know. As a child, I never really liked the idea that we were just getting four, essentially four solo Thomases. I know that we have Terrence and we have Birdie, but they're not trains. If you're somebody who's really down with the chug life, you didn't get a lot of, you got some chug, but they're not chugging together. And friends who chug together stay together. Couples who chug together stay together. I'm interested to see. So I know I, 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 the bootlegs episode is one of my favorite to show. 
people. So I imagine Tara had seen that before, but a few times. We watched uh, the first few episodes on this one pretty recently. Yeah, I actually, yeah, it's, um, I love the bootlace. I mean, it's really, it's one of the most iconic episodes, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the Thomas episodes, which I imagine you had seen for all the first time, just, just as a idea of lumping four straight Thomas episodes together like that. It's kind of like putting all of their eggs in one basket. Um, it was interesting that they chose to put four straight Thomas episodes in a row instead of saving them for other VHS tapes. Um, but they were really nice episodes. Um, I enjoyed them. Um, I think kids who aren't so exclusively into just trains could enjoy them too. Uh, but it does make for kind of more of a boring sit through to see only two trains really featured in them and they're not really interacting with anyone else. Yeah. I mean, Terrence isn't a super interesting character. We also, we don't get that many episodes that are focusing solely on Thomas and his branch line in the future because they, they tend to, Thomas tends to get lumped in with Toby and with Percy later. So this is really his time to be alone. Uh, king of the hill there and it's fine i mean it's it's fun putting aside the iconic nature of uh thomas's race with birdie just to do conductor fish terrence all in one is terrence is just a background character he's not so i don't think thomas is being serious when he says that his wheels his caterpillars are splendid he's just <laughs> humoring him and we're all kind of humoring terrence is probably the most boring character that's always kind of been around so you know it's it's a good uh it's a good collection uh our next episode which will not air for some time because we're going to take uh, a bit of a hiatus in august tenors and turntables is my all-time favorite tape of them all i love every episode in that collection which is probably why I tend to look at this one a bit more negatively. It doesn't have the iconic, uh, pretty much every uh, every one of the Thomas gets tricked aside from when he leaves the trains behind is iconic. This, a little bit less so, but it's a fun collection. It's fun to see Thomas in the old days before it, the island of Sodor got a bit too overpopulated. It's fun to see Stopping Hat in the early days threatening to paint people and then eating the fish that gets stuck in the boiler. <laughs> he doesn't really he doesn't really come across that well in this episode. Who do you think was the MVP of this collection, Tara? Hmm. Uh it's not Bertie. I would I mean Terrence doesn't do a lot, so it's not really him. You know, maybe Annie and Clarabelle, final answer. They were really trying their hardest to get Thomas's attention uh when he left behind the conductor. Yeah, they weren't successful, but they had their heart in the right place. And just they're also general supporters of Thomas all the time. So I I really liked the two of them. They were doing good work. And who lost this collection? Mm, maybe Thomas. I mean, he, he made a lot of mistakes in these episodes. But he ends with winning the race. Yeah, but should he have been racing in the first place? Ooh, doesn't really matter if he won point. the race. It was still kind of like uh, this frivolous side quest that he decided to do under the table. Interesting. So 
my winner, I'm going to say, is actually going to, I don't want to totally piggyback off what Tara said, but the clear winner, Thomas beats Birdie in a race, but would he, on would Thomas win a race against the conductor, who is shown to be a marathon sprinter with unlimited stamina? If you're playing like a game of Madden, you would have 99 stats, perfect stats. So he's he's probably the winner. I think the loser, I'm probably going to go with another human character. Well, I'm actually going to mid, mid-answer mid switch my answer. I was going to say the loser was the smartly dressed man for having to give up his boot lace. But that could be kind of seen as a positive. The true loser of this collection is Henry. He gets almost no screen time, and it's totally negative. He's sad. We don't really learn why yet. This This... Episode, that just whole sequence had foreshadowing that a child watching that collection is totally totally going to sell right over their head. We can see it, but he's shown to be... And not only, not only is Henry shown to be a loser in his only on-screen time, he's also eclipsed by James as the second strongest engine, despite ostensibly looking the same as Gordon. So Henry totally loses this episode. Conductor definitely wins. Maybe a co-first place would be James forgetting to pull the express, but I mean he had his ups and downs, it's hard to say. I think I think the conductor would be the better better choice. And with that, that concludes our coverage of James learns a lesson. Did you learn a lesson watching all of these? Um I mean, kind of. Don't race. Yeah. It's like, even though the trains themselves don't always get the lesson out of it, like, as the viewer, you can see, yeah, maybe we should look behind us when we're taking off, make sure that we have everyone who's supposed to be here, uh, maybe get a radio with people in cars behind us. There are a lot of things that we can get as takeaways here. And also... Carry things that you can use to repair a bucket, to repair your train. Just a simple toolbox, some duct tape. Uh, it looks bad on the railway to have to ask your passengers for a leather bootlace. Um, there's a reason why the passengers are always complaining. So we can learn a lot from these. Just, you know, come prepared. Yeah, another another winner of this episode would be continuity. Between the race, Henry's sickness, and the bootlace, we get a ton of stuff that's referenced later. So, on that note, I wanted to thank everybody for uh, listening. A few tips. Don't race. Don't threaten your employees to paint them. If they don't behave, it's not nice. It's fucked up. And, uh, you know, don't don't carry around buckets that have holes in them. We get a lot of practical advice. And wear your snowplow. Always, always use protection. And on that note, I uh, we'd like to... Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. In programming note, we are going on hiatus for a bit. So, once again, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time in the future.